Hello and welcome to The Road to Lords, the 2023 Vinayas Village Cup podcast. In episode 5, myself, that's Elizabeth Botchaby, and tournament manager Ian Smith will look back on all of the action from the quarterfinals. Hi Ian, are you well? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's uh, it, it was really good to get all four games in. You know, the weather forecast last week wasn't great and uh, it causes all sorts of fun and games if, if the these latter stages are delayed. So yeah, it was really good. A couple of them... One was shortened and, and one finished very late, but we got them all in. So that's always a relief for me. The headlines. Yeah, well, we're down to just four teams now after the quarterfinals. Uh, those matches were Grand Pound Road versus Hook and Newnham Basics, Milford Hall versus Bartley United, Leeds and Broomfield against Ashmanoff and Barton Wanderers, and Shizard and Fulton against Staley. Which game stood out for you, Ian? I really enjoyed the Ashford Hoff and Barton Wanderers game versus Leeds and Broomfield. So that's uh, Norfolk versus Kent. Um, and these two sides have, have gone gone really well this year. Um, and it was a great game. Um, the Kent side uh, batted first and were bowled out for Richie Benno's favourite score, 2-2-2 in the final over. Um, mainly down to 83 and 86 balls from George Davis and a very solid 50 from James Mitchison and with no other batter getting more than 14. Joe Everett was the, the pick of the bowlers with four for 32. In reply, Ashmanoff were making really steady progress, but they kept losing wickets. Um, and they were 30 sh- runs short of their target when top scorer Tam- Tom Harris got out for 54. Steady bowling by the Kent side managed to squeeze the last out of the Ashmanoff side, and they were all out for 210. With Monty McCaig, one of the two, two sons of the former England fast bowler Martin McCaig in the side, taking five for 33, including the fi- including the final wicket to seal the game. Uh, the game was also delayed by an injury to one of the uh, Kent fielders who dislocated and broke his collarbone uh, with three overs to spare. So there was quite a delay. So the, the game was delayed um, and, and played uh, much later than expected. But it was a great game of cricket. And, and I know you and I were actually watching it live on the, on the internet towards the latter stages just to see who snuck over the line. Yeah, that's how committed we are to the Village Cup. Um, but it, it really could have gone either way, though, couldn't it? Because I know I, I looked at the scorecard probably with about five or six overs to go and thought, Leeds and Broomfield probably have this, but you didn't. You still didn't really know because it was just just close enough that you thought one, one bad over for Leeds and Broomfield and it could completely swing the game in the other direction. And they, they had two or three overs where they went for, for six, seven and over uh, when they needed, when Ashmanhoff needed more than that, so the, the target was growing. And as I say, they just kept losing wickets, or they, or um, Leeds and Broomfield just took wickets at the right time, just as some momentum was building, another wicket got, and it slowed down again. So uh, it was a great game. It was a really good game of cricket and uh, sort of summed up the, the Village Cup, really, in that it swung, uh, you know, the pendulum swung both ways in that game. Yeah. Which game did you, caught your eye? Uh, for me, it was Grand Pound Road versus Hook and Union Basics, and the winner of this game will face uh, Leeds and Broomfield. Um, and it was one of the more unusual scorecards, I think, that you'll see in a in a Village Cup game, because um, due to the weather, the two sides agreed to do an eight-over a side game, um, and Road ended up posting, you know, a fairly steep total of sixty-nine for six. Um, Alex Lean did the bulk of the scoring; he got twenty off seventeen. And there were also uh, contributions from Jack Mingo and Harry Gregory. Um, and unfortunately for Hook, they never really got into the game with the bat. They lost three wickets in the first half of their innings. 
David Neville bowled a maiden that really ramped up the pressure. Um, and then they introduced Martin Roberts into the attack. He struck three times in the sixth over to just really knock the stuffing out of them. Um, he now has 11 wickets from just 18.3 overs in the competition. Uh, and then Nathan Keevil and Alex Lean uh, swept at the remaining wickets and Hook were all out for 30 uh, to give Grandpa Road a 39-run win. Um, yeah, so the joyful leaves in Broomfield as a 600-mile round trip to, to Cornwall um, at the end of the month. Take your swimmers and your bucket and spade, lads. It's going to make a weekend of it. Yeah, I th- yeah, it's really interesting. We were talking about this at my club game on Saturday, which looked like it might be affected by rain, but wasn't in the end, about the, the tactics in shortened games. And the general consensus seems to be, you know, you want about second because you know you know what you've got to get. But that's just blown out of the water sometimes if, if the first innings is just much bigger than you're expecting. And you, if, especially in a game that's eight overs, if you don't you know, have a big first over, you're behind the eight ball from from you know the start of the second over really and it's it's difficult to catch up in such a short game so uh yeah that was a that was a really interesting game and you know we've all played in games that have been shortened like that and they do become you know just just a, a biffing fest sometimes where you know shots that wouldn't be played normally in a 40 over game do get played on on days like that but uh again that's the beauty of the village cup it bring, brings up all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful games. So yeah, when I first saw the score, sixty nine all out, or sixty nine for six, and then thirty all out, I thought that that might break some records. But then I realised it was only eight overs a side. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's quite exciting for Cornwall as well. I think um, Grandpa and Road have said they're the, f- uh, the first Cornish chap, well, the first Cornish team to get this far since nineteen ninety four, and they could become the first Cornish side to win the whole thing since nineteen seventy six. And obviously, Troon have all three of. Cornwall's title so it's it's been a long time since the Village Cup has has travelled to Cornwall Yeah and I, as I said in previous uh, rounds I, I do like the idea of you know that's quite a big trek for anybody for whoever's going to Cornwall even if you're going from the Midlands you know it's still quite a, a big trek um, and I think you know Leeds and Broomfield having had such a good win last weekend you know they'll travel with some hope and 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 some expectation and yeah, it'd be a great day. Whoever wins, it'll be a great day. And and you know, the, the only um thing that can sometimes dampen the uh, not the enthusiasm, but dampen the the effort, if you like, and, and make people go into their shells a bit is that you're only one game from Lords. Uh, and that's you know it's the old cliche in football, isn't it? The worst game to lose is the semi-final, not the final. Um and I think that especially with four sides that we've got this year that would be making uh, their debuts in the final, I think, and certainly none of them have won it before. So, uh, yeah, it, I, I, I've never played in games where the, the, the result would have ended up in a uh, a Lord's final, but semi-finals are, um, do, do strange things to people sometimes. Yeah, and obviously there were two other matches in the in the north half of the draw. Um, it was heartbreak for Barkley United against Milford Hall um, as Milford Hall chased down 214 off the penultimate ball of the match. Um, Barkby had done really well to fight back from collapse into 130 for six to set a, a pretty competitive total of uh, target of 214. Jack Johnson had hit a smash and grab 35 or 17 at number nine that really uh, sent the worm uh, <laughs> quite vertical, actually. It's quite fun to look at. Um, and Milford Hall didn't have it all their own way. Uh, they collapsed to 115 for six, but they just seemed to just fight back from the middle order um, and you really have to spare a thought for Ryan Wapplington. He was tasked with bowling the 40th over uh, 
for Barton United. And he took a wicket and conceded just four runs off the first four deliveries. Um, but Harry Edwards was equal to the pressure and smashed a six off the penultimate ball, um, which is a really heartbreaking way for Barton United to go out. Um, and Milford Hall, they'll be facing Staley, who completed a much more comfortable five-wicket win over Shizet and Fulton. Uh, Joe Oliver was the only batter to really trouble Staley's bowlers. Uh, he scored 48 before being out caught and bowled to Scott Kerwin. Um, and Staley, you know, OK, they had a couple of early struggles with the bat, lost three early wickets. But Scott Kerwin, again, proved a thorn in uh, Shizet and Fulton's side, added uh, 65 not out to his two wickets and three catches, Staley safely through to the semi-finals. Yeah, and it's interesting. And it, I was just looking at the who, you know, which regions these these teams in the semi-finals have come from. So, as we said before, we got Cornwall versus Kent, and then West Midlands versus Cheshire. Um, so, you know, I th- and again, they're they're relatively. Uh, there haven't been any sides from those groups in the finals recently, so um, it's good to spread it around a bit. And as I say, we will have a new champion this year. So. I spoke to the uh, the people who do the engraving. I said, you're going to have to learn a new spelling this year, chaps. So, um, on the cup, which we will have to get back from Dumbleton fairly soon. The big preview. Yeah, so as we've said, that leaves us with just four teams on the road to Lords. Leeds and Broomfield are going to travel to Grand Pound Road and Milford Hall are going to host Staley. And you mentioned it before, but just how much pressure will there be going into that game, knowing that you are one win from Lords, and like you say, it's it's worse to lose in the semi final than it is to lose at Lords. Yeah, and and the pressure will grow as the game grows. You know, if if one side goes off to a flyer, um, you know, batting first and racks up a huge score, the team batting second will be immediately under pressure because they know they've got to go from ball one. Or in a, in a closer game with a low scoring game, when you know someone chasing one hundred and ten gets to one hundred and eight for eight, and you've got some batters in there who aren't really batters. Um, there will be huge pressure on them and, and you know, pressure on the fielders. The ball goes up in the air and there's all sorts of things that, that you know, sport can do funny things to your head. That nine times out of ten in practice, you'll take that catch, you'll hit that ball, you'll, you'll bowl straight. But when there's some pressure on, and, and this is, I think this is almost greater pressure than the final itself, um, it can do funny things to you and, and results that you would expect would might be very different. So... Um, as, as a watcher of sport and, and, and the unpredict, uh, lover of the unpredictability of sport, this is the, probably the best round for me, other than the pure essence of being at Lords. <laughs> and what do you think the plan is at this stage? Because, you know, obviously Kent and Cornwall almost certainly will never played each other before. Do you research the team? Do you go trawling through their play cricket stats? Or do you just go in blind and think, well, they're, they're just another team, let's see what happens? think you'd have to go in fairly blind and I think that's true of, of most cricket you know even at the professional level if if they're playing there are some people who like to study their opponents in great detail and there are others who just see ball hit ball um I, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot you can learn yeah there's a few videos around obviously of the last round you could watch um but unlike in the pro circuit they're not edited highlights so you might have to watch quite a lot of um videos to get anything useful and what would you learn um, you know, I, it always amazes me when people want to have pitch maps, you know, where people hit the ball. Well, where people hit the ball, in some extent, depends where, where you put the fielders, and that's never recorded on a, on a pitch map. So it, it's slightly spurious. Um, I've always, as you can probably tell, I've always been one that says, you know, just when I was playing, and this was shown in my record, um, just turn up and play. 
Um, but there will undoubtedly be those in the clubs who may not be playing and within the teams who will be trying to do whatever they can to learn about the, the leading bowler for that club or the uh, the leading batsman or what they like to do if they win the toss and therefore we need to do the opposite. Um, but I do think there's a lot of um, nonsense sometimes talk about that stuff. You know, If you lose the toss, you've lost the chance to, to choose and, and you just have to adapt to that. So... Um, but yeah, no doubt that we, with you know, with the amount of stats there are now, even in the in the um, recreational game, there'll be quite a lot of googling going on, I'm sure. <laughs> and you've obviously attended the past couple of finals. Um, what is it that makes Lords so special um, for the teams? I think there's a number of things. One, it's just Lords, you know, and, and you saw the reaction of the Australian players, not necessarily when they were booed, but you saw the reaction of the Australian players just to playing at Lords, and that's true of all overseas teams that go there. And the thing that always impresses me greatly is how uh, the MCC, they treat the players of the Village Cup final exactly the same as they would the England players or the Australian players. There's no, you never get the impression they're just treading water, they're just, you know, it's a contractual obligation. They, they throw their doors open and throw their arms open to these um, village sides. And it's fantastic. And even sides that I've spoken to after the game that have lost, they've still got so much out of it. And that's what I was saying about the semi-finals. You lose the semi-final, well, you've just played on another club ground. But if you lose the semi-final at Lords, uh, sorry, you lose the final at Lords, you've still played at Lords, which most of us, myself included, never did. Um, and it's something that, you know, you can you, they will talk about to their kids and grandkids forever. And and it's it is such a special occasion. Um and you know it's not full, but there's, there's you know the last last year we had quite a sizable crowd in there, a very noisy crowd for how small they were. Um, and you know I can see these um, clubs getting quite a few supporters there this year because last year, I think last year was just uh, just before the Queen's funeral, and obviously the year before was was a COVID year, so that's behind closed doors. So you know hopefully we're we're going to get back to a, a regular final. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Um, and they are great days, and any day at Laws is great, but. Village Cup is something unique. Well, that's all we have time for in episode five. Thanks to Ian for his company, to our sponsors, Vineas Broadband, Beakston, Autis Energy, Bowler, Crickviz, and charity partner, the Lords Taverners, for their support. And good luck to all four teams. You're only one win away from Lords. Mm-hmm.